Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com slash careers. That's opcpest.com slash careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by the Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. The Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Luke Hancock. Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville, Mark Ennis. Luke Hancock, the phone lines, they are open, 8150-939. That's the number if you'd like to get in here, 3831-939 for the uh, UPS Jobs text line. If you'd like to hit us up that way, you can uh, as well. Appreciate Jeff Walsh jumping on with us here. Big time. He's always great. Good luck uh, chopping the rest of that wood, Coach. Uh, the Pac-12 has formally begun the process of separating from Commissioner George Klyavkov. And everything else. Yes. They should just go ahead and say the Pac-2 at this point. But statement from the conference office, the Pac-12 conference board has given the departing 10 schools notice of a proposed leadership transition with an invitation to provide comment. We expect to provide more information following a decision in the coming days. Kind of knew this was going to happen as they're completely falling apart. But I'm guessing like buyouts and contract issues and all that is what has uh, slowed this thing down. But what do you think about the uh, pack two? About, like, what does he do all day? At this point, what is there? Like, what is Klyevkov's job? You call those now. two presidents, and just like, hey, the three of like he's got it on. He's got an hour with each one on his calendar. Yeah, it's ten thirty. What do I do now? Yeah, I'm sure it's uh, one of those like he just keeps getting a we got to postpone this meeting. Something's come up, kind of thing. Sorry, we'll do it tomorrow. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what like there, I saw that I was like, what I I didn't know. Was he still logging in every day so he could pay? Like, what are we doing? I'm sure. You're, you're contractually Clocking obligated in. to work your 40 hours a week. <laughs> yes. That's probably exactly what's going on. There's some kind of ridiculous thing in his contract where he's like, I got to make sure I don't void this thing out. So, look, are you going to go run for the uh, Pac-2 commissioner job? Are you now? here to announce your candidacy? Uh, absolutely not. Um, I think that uh, train wreck has been going downhill for some time. Um, I'm just... Uh, I'm interested and excited. You, you guys will make the trip to uh, the West Coast at some point in the near future to go check out these new schools. I've never been to Stanford or Cal, so I'm going to do that. I appreciate them giving us a couple good schools. And Tiger Woods is an alum of the ACC now. So. ACC legend Tiger Woods. Yes. So who are you looking forward to being on the desk with you next year when Stanford and Cal join the Lopez Twins? Craig James. I mean, do we have to get somebody from the Pac-12 or can we just keep our crew? I'm, he's talking about our, our new ACC brethren here. Andrew Luck. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess the alum from Stanford are like, they're pretty awesome. Let's I find some of those. Very rich. Yeah. Cal, you they just can stay afford over there. Jeff's firewood. Yeah, that is a fact. Somebody might show up with that. Maybe if Jason Kidd gets let go from the Mavericks, he joins the desk. Adam Duritz, ACC guy now, lead singer for uh, Counting Crows. He's a big Cal guy. Huge Cal fan. In fact, he's the Cal fan I can think of that's not a former player. He's probably the only Cal fan. Is there another one? Can you find one other famous Cal fan? Can you do that? I don't think that exists. Well, you, I mean, you can, <laughs> I can look it up. Yeah, that's what I'm, like, saying. Like, I'm saying it'll probably be like 404, not found. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, did you, yeah, did you mean something else? Not Cal. I mean, Cal's a throw in in this whole, whole deal, it seems like. But I am excited to go check it out. I mean, they got all the, like, picturesque campuses over there sure. we'll go, go see uh we can do a, a long trip over there i heard uh blankenbaker talking about his i think he's going for the wine and cheese and all that stuff but blank you know as That's drew not says the mark blankenbaker i know kelvin welcome into the dry buddy what's up hey two things uh first of all how y'all doing 
Doing great. You know? Doing great. Thank you. But listen, uh, two things I want to talk about. One of them is, you know, I was thinking, what if uh, Kenny Payne would have started playing those freshmen in the very beginning? I don't know. You know, and just like really just let them grow up and grow through all the mistakes and all that stuff. I wonder how far they feed now, you know, because they're already looking great. The freshman is who's making this team better, you know, Caleb Bliss and Johnson and Curtis and all them. They're making this team good. There's some, there's some tough little guys right there. And uh, then I was thinking that. Uh, it never should have reached that point with that women's game. You knew what Syracuse was going to do, man. They, I mean, you gave them a chance to, to win that. They they just took that game, man. They just said, okay, y'all don't gave us the opportunity. We're going to go ahead and uh, just go and steal it from Because that's what they did, for real. Because just think if they call that call every game, attentional, two, uh, two shots in the ball, two shots in the ball, two shots in the ball. In every game across the country, and, and somebody made a good point. I think it was Luke said, "What if a cop pulled you over, gave you a speeding ticket for going 56 and a 55, and then when you got to court, the uh, judge say, how, how fast, how how much over was he going?' And he'd say, one one just one mile faster than he was supposed to go.' And the judge would say, "Come on, man, you got this car up here, and all he was was one." Not over the speed limit. So you got the spirit of the law, and then you got the letter of the law. Come on, man. They, they all know it was bull crap, you know. And in, and in know. this case, it'd be you like know, the judge I, saying, you know what? He was speeding. Lock him up. Lock him yeah, up because yeah, they've doubled yeah, down you know, on it. And look, you know you know what would have been real, real powerful? I don't know if anybody got the kind of, you know, integrity or nothing to do with what if the opposing coach said that call is bull crap? I don't want it. You cheating that team. I don't want to win like that. That's Louisville's fault. Uh, let's let that is not an intentional call. You know that that's the kind of stuff you can go home and feel good about yourself when you do something like that. I I don't accept that call. That's a terrible call, and I don't want it. What <laughs> if the coach did that? But you got to remember the previous game, the coach just blew past Kemp when, when Louisville beat Syracuse at Louisville. Didn't even want to shake his hand. So he ain't got the kind of class to do nothing like that. That's all I got. Appreciate uh, the call there, Kevin. I, ironically, Luke, based on what we just heard from Jeff and the statement from the ACC, if the Syracuse coast came out in a show of incredible honor and was like, that's, a, that's the wrong call. I've never seen that call. Uh, we won. It's our job to win. We got to play the game that they call. But goodness, what an awful call! Uh, I feel bad for Jeff. Whatever she can find. Yeah, yeah. Be calling Jeff to hey sell two of those firewood lots. We're gonna raise twenty thousand for both those. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I agree with you that it would be commendable. But these wins, coaches will do anything to get them. No one's you know, declining any penalties. No way. Yeah, that's not happening. I mean, <laughs> like think Syracuse. They're ten and three in the conference. They're second right now, right behind Virginia Tech. They they're in the hunt as well. That's why Jeff talked about how impactful that call is. Because if Jeff is sitting there at ten and two, there are only two two lost teams in the league, Virginia Tech and Louisville. Which means you take care of business against Boston College and you're playing for first place come Sunday. It would have just magnified the whole situation. So it means a ton for Syracuse and for Louisville. Now they gotta kinda claw their way back into it and you know, to to paint the full picture, there are three teams with three losses in the conference. Syracuse, NC State, Louisville. You beat Virginia Tech, you give them their third loss, you can be right there tied for first on Sunday. So you just don't have it by yourself. Impactful, yes. Uh, the other thing about um, giving freshmen the opportunity early, you know, I know we're not giving Kenny Payne the benefit of the doubt with anything, but he could have been coaching them up. You know they couldn't have been, they could have gotten to college and just not been ready as those freshmen in the first few months. Yeah, just because they're playing well now doesn't mean they were ready then. Yeah, I mean, you know, I get the, I get where we're at, and so I understand fans feeling that way. But he could have just done it the right way here, and and kudos could be deserved for KP for give, for being patient with these guys, having some things. I always call them the like non negotiables, the things that you get away from your team identity if you do X, Y, and Z. 
you know, freshmen don't really get that. They think, you know, my performance is all about how many points I scored. So, you know, you're looking at it the other way. KP could have just done a really good job with a couple of these freshmen. The right way. Right way. If they're if that to me, that's the wrong what if uh, to look back on. And this this gonna sound funny at first, but if you could, if I could go back and change one thing about this team, it would be never signing Karan Davis. And I'm not being funny. It was a spot that really somebody else could have used uh, that probably could have helped the team more. But more than anything else, whatever the <laughs> hell happened there clearly affected the team quite a bit. And the, the whole, at the very time that the dismissal, undismissal, whatever of uh, of Kron happened, that's when they got blown out at DePaul. That's when they got beat by Arkansas State. They were lucky to beat Pepperdine because the team was not on, like, they were not on board with that. And it showed. And it took a while until they got past that for this to sort of start. But, like, that was a giant distraction on top of how it was handled badly. Imagine if none of that happens. Yeah, it would be interesting to see where they're at. But I can I can that tell you. a different season. From a player's perspective, having been in the locker room, if a coach said those things in the media, I think he doesn't have my back. He doesn't have faith in us. You know, he's he's just he doesn't have our back. And then to magnify it with the stuff about the tights and Tyler Johnson, okay, now he doesn't have our back and he's just embarrassing us. And so I can imagine that created quite the locker room rift. Took a little time to get over that. Yeah, because even the players' comments after games and stuff, when they were asked about it, you know, they seemed confused uh, about what happened and why yep. and certainly not on board that was sort of the reporting from Brendan Quinn didn't seem like the players really understood what was going on there either had much right. of any and obviously Karan Davis Karan. yeah well you know if you're showing up late and you're not listening to coach or you're you're you know I don't know what was going on but obviously he wasn't living up to what KP wanted you just have to convey that message it was so messed up because KP is saying he's doing nothing wrong while he's sitting in street clothes behind the bench. Yeah. He just didn't have a good message there. And again, it's about building trust. You, you know, as a player, you don't control anything a coach is going to say in the media. I played for Rick. He's going to go up there and say whatever he wants. But I didn't feel like he was trying to embarrass us. And I could see how those guys felt some kind of way about some of the comments. It was such an unnecessary distraction that just well, like to Mark's point, did not need to exist. You didn't need to take him when you did. And if you did, you didn't need to do all that transpired, whatever it was, the messaging was so off base. And like, yeah, you said the players just were not playing for Kenny Payne at that time. And if like we're in sports talk radio here, right? So we want more access. We want to know what's going on. But if he pulled the the Kim Mulkey and said, this is a team issue. This is a locker room issue. And it's something we're going to deal with in the team. That's better. That's way better than what happened. Yes. Way better. Since, so, since you mentioned her. My jacket better than her jacket? By a lot. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Going away. Uh, Imagine a referee making that call against freaking Kim Mulkey. Woo. Oh. What? She'd have been fine. She'd have been fine 10 times what Jeff got fined in that postgame press. Her fine would be less than her bail. It would have been outrageous. Can we send Carla down to Baton Rouge? Please, for good. Denise, welcome into the drive. What's up? Hey, Mark and Luke. Happy Tuesday. Thank you. Um, so I just had a comment, and then I had something to your point um, along the lines with Kim Mulkey and the SEC. Um, so to the previous caller talking about he wished the Syracuse coach would be like, I don't want that, you know, take that win, whatever. Um, yeah, she was not going to do that. She was very salty when she left here when we beat them two weeks ago. Mm, very upset. True. And then, supposedly, which I've scoured trying to find it, but in her post-game press conference, she said we were very unsportsmanlike. Our women were very unsportsmanlike. And I was really shocked. I mean, I know she's a first-year coach, but she's been around the block. I was just really shocked. I just feel like... For Jeff, you either love him or hate him. And I just feel like the contingent in the sports world, there is no middle ground with him. Like, the the officials don't like him. 
Some of the coaches do, some of them don't. Courtney Banghart of UNC, she stepped up, put that on there. Hey, Jeff, haven't seen yours. Yeah. Look what happened in ours. Two hours later, it was deleted. Because I'm sure somebody on Tobacco Road got on her and said, get it off. You know? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's my comment on that. She wasn't going to do that. So secondly, on the SEC, I wish we were officiated in the women's game like the SEC is. Because they are allowed to play. And I would be really interested if we could get Sam Purcell on to talk about the differences since he's been coaching in the SEC and having been on our bench. I guarantee you he's going to say, oh, it's night and day. Because they are allowed to play. Those women are allowed to play. And so when you come up against these schools, and not necessarily us because I feel like we're usually a tough team, when these other schools come up against SEC schools, they don't get called the way that they think they're going to get called, and that's where you have the SEC rules, you know? Yeah. So I'll hang up and listen. Thank you, and, um, Yeah, see what you guys have to appreciate, say about that. Yeah, appreciate uh, the call there. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, Thanks for the call. The fact that we can talk about there even being a disparity in like the the style of officiating is the problem. It does happen though. Yeah, you know I mean, it's human. But if it's that pronounced, like that's yeah. But you always like I remember playing and hearing like how the Big Ten officiated because they were a much slower paced, you know, more plotting centers, not running, jumping kind of guys, and that the physicality was just at another level. And when we got to the tournament, we were going to get beat up because we just weren't ready for that. Um, and then, you know, we beat Michigan up. But those kind of type of narratives are out there. It would be interesting to get Sam on um, and hear just the differences and in, in how that aspect is approached conference by conference. That would actually be a great idea. 8150-939. That's uh, the number if you'd like to get in here. 3831-939 for the uh, UPS jobs text line. You can hit us up uh, that way. Scott, welcome into the drive. What's up? Hey guys, hope everybody's doing well. Hey buddy, uh, you know I'm a beat the dead horse as, as everybody is, and and I'm going to take a little bit different angle. And you know I've been kind of preaching the the women's basketball has been on a boom the last two years specifically. Uh, last year really hit, um, but it's it's a really good product. Um, and the thing that that I have a problem with is it's the same old same old in women's college basketball. And you know. <clears throat> The the uh, Rebecca Lobos and uh, Antonettis and Carolyn Pecks, you never hear them talk about officiating the way that it really is. Because as I told my friends, I'm like, guys, you gotta you gotta get into this women's basketball. It's really fun. It's a great product, and and this and that. And I'm like, okay, but here's the caveat: it's the worst officiated sport, and there's nothing even close. And there will be two calls a game that aren't just bad, they're hysterically bad, and that's in every single game. And it's been across the board for a long time. And I, what I don't understand is the powers that be, the Rebecca Lobos, the big wigs, and even you look at somebody like Kara Lawson, who's pretty quiet, she's very respected, she doesn't just, you know, she's not like Jeff, she just doesn't kind of say stuff sometimes to say it. She's very, uh, you know, mannered in, in how she does things. And what I would like to see is somebody like her go on and say, look, women's college basketball is on a platform right now. And what we're doing is is we're allowing, because what's going to happen here is if these things don't happen and Louisville has an extra loss, what if they are the 18th ranked team? That loss cost us a home court advantage in the first two rounds. And that's unacceptable. And there's nothing being done about women's college basketball. And look, guys, we all know the NCAA is inept. They're not going to do anything. But it seems to me with the money that's involved right now and the eyeballs that are on this sport, men and women now, that the powers of the ESPN and the Rebecca Lobos and the powers have the chance to say, look, this has to get fixed, and it has to get fixed now. So I would like, you know, if this was in the men's game, Jay Billis, those guys would be all over this and it would get changed. There would be change. So that's the thing that I am a little frustrated with is that, you know, those, those people that we look at that are legends in the game are not saying anything about the officiating and what it's doing to the game. So uh, great show as always guys. I appreciate it. Thank Thanks. you. I appreciate uh, the call there. Listen, he's right about that. Especially when it comes to the women's game there. Jeff's not one of the coaches they want to hear from. That's a fact. 
I think there are a lot it's of indisputable gr- at this point. I agree. There, there are a lot of great coaches that um, get a certain rap with going through things with the media that I I don't think knowing them on a different level, like just my experience with Jim Beheim and Muffin McGraw, those are two that I think people look at and, and don't have very you know high things to say about. But in my experience, they've been awesome. So you don't really know these coaches outside of the competitive landscape. I think the only thing I disagree with everything he said was that Carol Lawson is uh, like super even keeled. Do you not remember last year with the thinking about playing with the men's basketball for a while, and she was the only person that said that and just blew up on the officials that this would never happen in the men's game. If I dribbled a basketball for two seconds, if I caught it, not even if I dribbled it, if I caught it and just felt the ball for a second, I would know immediately if it was a men's ball or a women's ball. They played a half of basketball, and nobody looked at the thing and thought, this doesn't feel right. It's crazy to me. And I don't think it happened, but I digress. I do think that uh, some of the voices in women's college basketball could have been louder about things just like this. And he's right. Like Jay Billis gets on something and people listen. He is, he is a great voice for college basketball. I just hate how much it feels personal. Because even yeah. when there's bad officiating in other sports, it, I never feel like they just don't like that person or that team. Yeah, I, I don't know what you do about that. It's it's a, a reputation as a competitor and somebody that wins a lot. I mean, what Louisville basketball has done the last several years in terms of their tournament resume, like outside of winning a championship, Jeff's done every single thing. They've had ACC Player of the Year more than anybody else in the last several years. Um, you know, he's he's de- when you're on top, teams want to knock you down, and and that includes everybody, referees included. So, let's get uh, Trevin in here next. Trevin, welcome into the drive on Ninth and the Bill. What's up? Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, I just had a quick question. So uh, I completely agree with uh, the previous callers that the officiating needs to be addressed in the women. And I would also say even in the men's game, I think it's just become a little bit too consistent with questionable calls and everything. But for you guys and for Luke as well, what would you prefer moving forward? Would you prefer they um, move back to a – more physical style play like it was, I would say maybe even like pre-2013 where you can body people up more, a lot more hand checking, a lot more pro defense, or do you prefer this more modern style that you see, especially in the NBA with pro offense and not a whole lot a a defensive player can do in my opinion. Uh, I often say that for Luke, like I often say the, 2013 team would not be as successful today because we'd have like two to three players foul out per game because of all the fouls that they call now and all the hand checks. Like we would not be able to be as aggressive as we were throughout that season. So just for you guys, would you prefer a more physical style play like it used to be? I miss the old Big East, those old days, or do you prefer a more modern era? Thanks guys. Love you guys. Thanks for the call. Um, Love you too. I think I prefer a little bit more uh, of offensive oriented. Me too. Play. I, I think uh, games that are forty two to forty seven uh, are not my favorite. Um, I do like the the defensive mindset, defense wins championships kind of thing. But um, people want to see you score points. They want to see shots go in. I think the freedom of movement in particular has elevated the game, um, and our team would have dominated right now. Dominated. Yeah, you, he's not counting the other side of how freed up you would have been. And, like, Y'all would have been. with the transfer portal and everything, like, we had years of guys that were conditioned to play a certain way. If we keep that crew together in today's atmosphere with all the moving pieces on all these teams, we would have destroyed these guys. And I, I think we can't, we're conflating uh, how a game is refereed, like a style of play that's either allowed or not. And that's not really what we're objecting to. We're talking about oh, like for instance, go back to Denise when she talks about Sam Purcell. Like it doesn't take long to figure out they call things differently. Here's what we need to do. Because even if it's different than what you were getting over here, which is not great, but you can understand it, as long as it's predictable and and by and large consistent, you can learn to live with it. And your players have a general idea what to expect is going to be called when they do this or that or don't do this or that. Yeah. 
There isn't a living soul who thought that was an intentional foul except for the lady who called it. Nobody. Not one. And no one could have predicted that that's what would have been called. Because it's never been done anywhere ever before. Ever. Yeah, and you also think about just the way the review process works, right? So if if the referee calls an intentional foul, it's not that somebody has to go put a little doubt in her head. It's that they have to 100% convince her after they've made the call. And I think it was a her, but I'm not 100% sure. It was. Carla Hidalgo, I think? So... No, found. Sadago's the girl for Notre Dame. That's really oh, good. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. So, if Carla makes a name? call. According to Davey, I believe Dave said Fountains was her last name okay. yesterday. Sorry, I don't know what I was thinking. That. Hannah Hidalgo's the this, stud for Notre that. Dame. But um, it, you got to convince that referee 100% that she was wrong in that moment. Not not give her some kind of doubt. That's the tough part about how you overturn calls when a, when a bad call's been made on the floor. And that's really where I'm at with overturning things. Because... I believe those other two referees would have come up there and been like, this call doesn't make sense right now. To give the game to Syracuse off of this play right here doesn't make sense. That's not what they talked about. They talked about, by the letter of the law, is this an intentional foul or not? And you would have to say, well, if you're reading the rule book and it says putting two hands on a player is an intentional foul, then yeah, it's an intentional foul. Not should it be called. Not do we want to give the game away like this. None of that other stuff. The review process, in my opinion, is what's also flawed here. It's very uh, easy. This would be a fun thing to do by somebody who has the time to do this. Just put together maybe um, uh, maybe Mike Lindsay or somebody could do this. Just I'm thinking of people who make videos. You're going pass to pass out the... Uh, I'm giving assignments here. <laughs> yeah. or, or ideas. Yeah. Pitches. This is a pitch. Let's get a highlight video of... Louisville being fouled like that, and I'm going to watch all of them and tell and just total, let's total up the number of times that team was called for an intentional foul. I think it would be hilarious. It would be so long too. Like this is how basketball works, right? Like a foul that you do intentionally does not have to be an intentional foul in those late moments. If you're behind more than a shot and the shot clock is is dwindling. You're going to foul. That's the way it works. They Just anticipating that that's going to happen should have not put them in that position. The ref should have said, this happens all the time, and just called that regular foul. It's a bad play all around. Let's go ahead and take our last break here. We will uh, come back and put a bow on this one on the drive on I Thunderbolt. Be right back. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Welcome back to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis and Luke Hancock. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Luke Hancock, 
here on a Tuesday. One thing I did want to uh, mention, uh, Luke, uh, we've got uh, the movers and shakers uh, in the world of college sports trying to get together, come up with uh, a new college football playoff plan. One of the things they were able to do was uh, negotiate an extension of the college football playoff broadcast deal with ESPN so for six years, $7.6 billion, I think is what the total was. Uh, but it does give ESPN the right to sublet those games out. So while they have the rights to them, they could potentially sell them to other broadcasters. We know they're going to launch this shared streaming service thing uh, here as well. So I'm sure that plays a factor in going ahead and just re-upping uh, with ESPN. Thoughts on that at all? I think it's a great decision. Like I don't have all the details on dollar amounts and how they're going to get an ROI on this, but I think the product's just going to get better and better. Uh, I think as they expand the playoffs, more eyeballs are on it, and it's going to make that final game even bigger and even better. Um, I'm happy it's with ESPN. Um, I think they kind of, as the leader there for so long, kind of let their foot off the gas in terms of going after the the big games and the big stuff like this. And I'm I'm happy it's with them. I don't I know people might feel differently, but I'm pumped. It won't stay that way. The only thing that surprised me about it is that the Big Ten wasn't more insistent on taking it to market or Fox being more of an explicit partner because, unfortunately, we have just sort of divided into Big Ten and SEC, ESPN and Fox. Yep. Uh, And I don't know if it's better that they're adversarial to where they sort of keep each other in balance or if they collude. It just doesn't seem well uh, for for maybe for the ACC. But hopefully the the ACC is still somewhat valued by uh, ESPN, and this turns out to be something that's good. Yeah, I don't know what it would do for you know protecting the ACC moving forward. It seems like they've made such a big investment in the ACC that they would do everything possible to kind of keep propping it up. Uh, but then you know the college football playoffs make the decision that they did in keeping Florida State out uh, of the the finals last year, this past year. Um, so I, I don't know, man. It's it's kind of tough to see where the landscape of college sports is going. But big deals like this make me think ESPN is going to have a big footprint, and I I would feel more comfortable seeing this knowing that the ACC is locked in with ESPN until 2036. Would you? Yeah, I I have no clue how that's going to go. So much of it really, I think, rides on how profitable can we make streaming. You know, as we sort of... Yeah. It's pretty obvious people will still watch live stuff. Just got to figure out a way to make profit off of it like we used to with the cable bundles. Is that the thing? Are we going to, like, since we went through this great unbundling getting away from cable, it's going to bundle back together. You're just going to have this collection of streaming services back together, right? That's what it seems like. We're, I like, think we're, so. we're about to climb to the top of the mountain and just discover this is where we started. Right. It's ridiculous. I, I think one provider is going to create some synergies and then they'll give you the most access and that's what everybody will go back to. Unbundling to back to bundling. Yeah, we'll just be bundling streaming services. I think so. It's like a real live meeting. Everybody just forms regional conferences. Yeah, that will that'll probably happen. That's going to be so funny to see it full circle of just like, we're going to think back and be like, why would the Atlantic Coast Conference add Stanford and Cal? Or any of these other ones. I mean, today, uh, Dallas Deshaun is Foster, plenty far away. Yeah. Deshaun Foster gets uh, introduced as UCLA's head coach. And I'm like, why is that on the big? T- oh. Like they were showing his introductory press conference on the Big Ten Network. I was like, well, oh, oh. Took, you know, and I don't know how long I'm going to do that. I, I mean, you're going to see. UCLA playing Penn State and just be like, what is good? What? Why? Actually, the more I think about it, I will never watch UCLA play Penn State. In anything? Volleyball? Too good, they good at volleyball? Two good volleyball programs. Historically, yes. Yeah. I'm not sure about recently. Volleyball. I'm I'm more likely to watch them play volleyball than football. I can tell you that. Well, Rutgers, UCLA? What? <laughs> anything <laughs> basketball maybe next year because Rutgers has some guys coming in oh yeah do they did they do that mark true. i think mark just boycotts Rutgers football i don't like Rutgers. that's true because of their head coach correct i don't really have a great reason but i just don't like Rutgers either see the rack yeah i mean I i've played in the rack it. i've played in the rack we beat the brakes off of them every time we played them nice of us to you know nice of them to give us a win every time i guess but i just for whatever reason no not for me Nothing else going on in Piscataway, New Jersey that intrigued you when you were up there? Absolutely not. It was one of those, how quickly can we get out of here trips. But you have a few of those, but yeah, not a fan. By the way, we did have a texter text in a great suggestion for 
just driving home the absurdness of this, the call against Louisville and standing by it and fining him for that, uh, Jeff Walls and Louisville for it. It would not only would it be funny to find examples where this sort of thing was done to Louisville and it was never called that. It would be great to to go back to the games that this referee worked, where she did not call that an intentional foul. You know it's happened without a doubt. It's so common in basketball. This call is the only counterexample. I can guarantee that. It's like especially to decide a game. I'm going to say it again. I don't know if anybody else has used this term, but that is like a courtesy foul. It's a it's you make that exact move to know I'm not I'm not going for the ball here, but I'm also not trying to hurt somebody. This is a foul so that you know it's a foul. Personally, as someone that played, I would accept that. I want that to be a courtesy foul versus the alternative to act like you're going for the ball and just come across and kill me. You know, somebody breaks a finger. I got all these jacked up fingers from plays just like that. People reaching for the ball, slapping at it, making plays late. That is 10 times better to do that courtesy foul like that. Your intentions are completely known. If you're Olivia, we're fouling. We have a foul to give. It wasn't trying to hurt anybody. It wasn't a, above the neck, any kind of contact. Like nothing. It should have been a easy call. They take the ball out on the side, play basketball. I think they had one foul to give, right? Or two? They had two to give. Two to give. You know what's coming as a referee. We don't. They do. It's just, the more I, I think about it, it's just ridiculous. And I guarantee you go back to any games that woman has ever refed, there will not be a situation where that foul gets called like that. And because of that, that's where the the idea that this is intentional or it's personal is unavoidable. See, I think what is unique uh, about this situation that you made that call? Why did you do that? This is why I have more of a problem with the review. Because what is what has to happen for the call to be changed once it gets reviewed? You have to be a hundred percent sure. Okay, the the fast moving part of the game. She sees something from her angle that looks like a little bit more contact, or looks like maybe wrapped her up or something. I don't know. I don't see that but thinks there's more contact than there is. The problem here is with the review because when you go back and watch that, it is obvious that you should not have called an intentional foul there. Obvious. But the problem with the review is you have to be 100% certain. Well, she has two hands on her. And if we go by the rule book, that's an intentional foul. You don't have 100% certainty that it's not. You may 100% know that you shouldn't have called that, but after the fact, to be able to overturn it, it's tough to do. If you got to be 100% sure. Texture suggests that I should like Greg Shiano now because he also chops wood. Fan of no. the wood chopping, not a fan of Shiano. Correct. Yeah. You think Jeff sold that? I'm pro firewood, to be clear. So you're separating <laughs> the uh, wood chopping from the artist? <laughs> the wood from the chopper. Pro firewood. <laughs> Any Super Bowl commercials you liked? You know, I barely paid attention to him. I know that's terrible. It is. Um, it's kind of first time for me. I was locked into the game. We had a couple of people over. And so watching the game intently and then talking to people and hanging out when uh, commercials were on. So I, I, this is terrible. I don't have one. Would you, you guys like any? He's, he just shamed me. He's like, I was too in the moment, Mark. I'm sorry. I don't remember any commercials. <laughs> <laughs> but what did you like? <laughs> But yeah, since you were half-assed watching it, what did you like? <laughs> the more I've, I've watched some of them again, because now the the sort of getting filtered out to broadcast yeah. and such, I really enjoyed the Bad MGM one where they're like, "Not you, Brady. Like you've won too much. Like that was. That, I thought that was a good idea. I wish I could give you a little comeback, but I I was focused on the game. <laughs> did you watch the halftime show at all, Luke? I did. Watched that a little bit. Takeaways. Um, they need to get that guy a towel. Is my first takeaway. Usher was sweating. So much. But, you know, I'm from that era, so I, I was bobbing along to all the songs. I thought it was good. I thought it was good. It doesn't match up to some of the all-time greats or anything like that, uh, but it, I thought it was good. I thought Usher did a good job. Alicia Keys getting out there. I was, I was vibing to all of it. What about you guys? I thought it was great. Yeah? I'm not... I don't have, like, a, a super high bar. I don't need it to be, like... 
aesthetically this and that. Just be fun. It should be fun. And appeal to a, a fairly broad group of people because that's who's watching the Super Bowl. It's hard to find something that 123 million people like all the time. I get that. I thought it was fun. I just wanted to make I was like this is vibes. This is cool. This is fun. Yeah, see, I was only it's fine. Like it didn't it blow good. me away. It, yeah, it's but, fine. But for me, it was, I was watching. I'm like, I don't know as many Usher songs as I thought I knew. Like I thought I knew <laughs> more Usher, but I was like, I don't know this song. Don't know this song. And turned out for what I was like, I was in eighth grade when that song came out. I didn't even like it then. So, but I mean, overall, it was it was fine. I'm sure other people loved it. Other people hated it. That's just how halftime shows go. But for me, I've always said I'm enjoying the game. And the halftime show, if it's good, plus. If not, eh, it's not for me. The only reason I'm a, I was a little down on it, I started to think about the last few years and some of my favorites and like Dr. Dre and Eminem and Snoop. That whole halftime was awesome. Rihanna last year. Those are pretty big time. You have a favorite, by the way? That one. That one from two years ago? Yeah. That one's second for me. And I think I watched like some kind of little documentary on the Prince one. From like 2006, seven, something like that. And um, first of all, the show was awesome, but it was like pouring rain. And in this little documentary about it, he was like, everybody is freaking out because he's got this whole performance ready and he's wearing, you know, a Prince getup. I think he had, I don't know, probably six inch high heels on or something like that. And, uh, and they're like, man, are you going to be able to do this? And he goes, am I going to be able to do this? I hope the heavens open up and it pours the whole time. And just to have that mindset of like, you know, as a performer, you want things to be perfect, but he just embraces the adversity and it ended up making it, I thought, 10 times better. And hearing that just, I thought it was really cool. That's yeah, my favorite one. Prince is always going to be the top one. Another one, it's kind of Singing under- Purple Rain in the Pouring Rain. Yeah, that oh, one's no, good. Right. U2's not 11 tribute. Yeah. Uh, that one was a good one. I kind of need to rewatch some of the, like, the, like, old, like, Tom Petty, Bruce Springsteen halftime shows, see where they, like, rank necessarily. Because I like those artists, but yeah, Prince like in the Purple Rain, and then he's like throws the microphone down at one point. He's like, "Yeah, screw this mic. I'm just gonna put the guitar now." When I was uh, in sixth grade, Tampa had the Super Bowl, Super Bowl twenty five, Bills Giants, the Scott Norwood uh, field goal, and the halftime show for that one. I was furious. New Kids on the Block. Mm. <sighs> uh, highs and lows there. It's rough. <laughs> yeah, I think the most memorable one is is probably the Justin Timberlake one. <laughs> for obvious I, you reasons. You could say. <laughs> you know? You could argue. Yeah. <laughs> it's my but most when memorable. takes the shirt off, it's fine. Uh, there were a couple people around, a couple, couple uh, young ladies around that got a little bit more a attentive uh, when that happened. Not me. That's when I tuned out. That's when you got <laughs> dug into the uh, the others at the party even more. There you go. Are you going to start rocking socks with pockets when you go back to Bristol? <sighs> socks with pockets? Is that Dupree. Yeah. The socks had pockets. You know, there are some trends that I'm just not going to get on board with. Like, I'm not rocking super skinny jeans. I think Bomani Jones said he looked like Shirley Temple <laughs> with that outfit on. <laughs> Two things that look absolutely nothing alike. Yeah. No, that makes sense. No, I don't think... Um, I I've said gone... yesterday, I thought, when I first saw him, I thought it was CeeLo. <laughs> <laughs> it's more likely I go no socks than socks with uh, pockets. What are you supposed to put in your sock pocket? Is that where you put like your most I mean, important Dave, things, Dave or just like a potato? But what would everybody else put in there? I'm sure some people are like, well, if they're going to like a ball game, just put like a little thing or like fireball or something. Gun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you could fit, why not? Tiny gun in your sock pocket. <laughs> like a secret agent. Yeah. Pull that out just when you need it. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, it's like a holster. I, you guys have made good <laughs> good answers to the question. I'm sitting here thinking like I have no idea what I would put in my sock pocket. That's kind of bold, to, like to even suggest that, right? Like you know, what we ought to do guys. Put a pocket on these socks. We've been missing out on the opportunity to put stuff in our socks. I can't imagine. Again, like you don't have people around you that are like, "Yeah, why?" Is everybody around him like, "Yeah, you know what? That is how you set a trend right there." That's going to be big time. No. Eighty-one fifty ninety-three nine. That's uh, the number. Let's get uh, Tom in here. Tom, thanks for giving us a call here on the drive on the Thunderbolt. What's up? Hey, yeah, I just wanted to uh, say something to Luke, like. I know the year before you all won it and probably the year before that, you guys went through a lot of heartaches and probably a lot of character building, you know, on tough losses or whatnot, like situational, you know, plays and, and uh, maybe some scouting that you didn't do as well 
uh, you know, the year before. And uh, just just kind of wanted to maybe touch with you on that because I, I know it hurt when you all lost those years. And then when you, you had some success the next couple of years, uh, it, it just, you know, it kind of filled us up, you know, in our hearts and stuff. So I, I kind of think that that's maybe what this, these teams need too. And, I, you know, I don't know about the coaching. That, that's another subject. But, you know, I think some of the heartaches and, and things that these guys are going through may build them pretty good. What do you think about that? I'll hang up and let you talk. Well, um, you know, the year before we won it, uh, we went to the Final Four and won a Big East championship. Uh, my redshirt year. The year before that, um, we won a CAA title and won the most games in school history. Um, so no, we didn't really have the, the like character building part of that. I think like through the season, you can have moments. The year we won it, we get to be number one in the country and then we lose three straight games like immediately. And I don't know if like a whole bunch of doubt crept in, but it was one of those things like, man, what are we doing wrong? It's not like we changed. It's not like, you know, we're not playing hard anymore, but, uh, it, it did take a renewed focus when the bullseye is that big on your back. So I do think that how you handle adversity is so big, you know, how you grow from those things, um, how coaches position certain things. Why I asked Jeff Walls, like, what do you say to your team right after a loss where you feel like you didn't deserve a loss? Um, And so, you know, I I do think even going through things that like North Carolina did, it's going to make them better. That's why I'm really high on North Carolina to make a run because you go to a national championship game, then you're a number one seed turning around and, and you don't make the tournament. And then they got to come back and wear that. You know, those things, it, it can either, all the time, those moments either galvanize your team and you get better, or it can tear you apart and you get a lot worse. So I, I think in terms of Louisville basketball, at least on the men's side, I love that they're getting better. I love that they're playing harder. If they can stay together, I think they're just going to continue game by game to show you a little something extra. Not that they won't have a bad performance uh, here and there, but... Yeah, I'm impressed with how they've played in the last little bit. What are you expecting tonight as sort of your uh, – as we get ready to wrap things up here, what are you expecting in terms of how they handle the minutes if he can't go at all, which I'm expecting? Uh, Sky Clark can't play. Yeah. Do you try to make Tyler play all 40 minutes? Who who handles the ball when he's not in there? Be like, hey, kid, you're 18. You're going to live forever. Play all 40 minutes. I think the kids want to play a lot of minutes. I think you prepare him to to play a lot of minutes. And if you need to spell him, it's either Mike James or Curtis Williams. Um, the team is incredibly thin all over the floor now. Like, you just have to make do. Um, to me, the next step for this crew is just take away the boneheaded mistakes. And you'll be in every game. Take away the boneheaded mistakes, you'll be in every game. Do you do you think that they will have no choice but to kind of be a little Olayish on defense because there ain't nobody else to play? I think Brandon has to play that way. And Tyler it's, has to play that way too. I, I think so. He, he he just has to avoid like the ugly, you know, 60 feet from the basket fouls. Yeah. Like you can't pick up any ticky-tack fouls if you're Louisville. Nothing that lady would call intentional. Yeah, absolutely not. You Keeping your defender in front of you and playing solid has to be the priority. You're not going after any steals. And then you have to protect Brandon. At the, uh, You have to. So if you go for a steal and you're a guard and you lead to a fast break or a three-on-two or a two-on-one, you are killing your team. So Kenny Payne has to help these guys understand, like, you may be able to think you can go for that steal, but you are going to kill us. Because if Caleb Glenn has to play the five against Quentin Post, and that means Trey White is guarding McLaughlin, it's over. BC going to win by a lot. Just wanted to read something to you guys very quickly. From earlier today. Sound disappointed. Texas A&M head coach Buzz Williams caused a bit of a stir during the second half of Saturday's win over Tennessee after the Aggies guard Jace Carter made a three-pointer to give Texas A&M a 69-54 lead. With about six minutes remaining, Williams wanted a timeout. However, officials didn't see Williams, leading to him running out onto the court to get their attention. He was near half court when a timeout was finally given. ESPN analyst James, uh, Jimmy Dykes criticized the officials following the play because he felt like Buzz Williams should have been assessed a technical foul. Instead, Texas A&M simply got a bench warning. Apparently, the SEC agreed with Dykes that the situation wasn't handled correctly. Vols head coach Rick Barnes said Tuesday that he quickly heard from the SEC regarding the incident. I can assure you it's been addressed. 
long before I even talked about it, Barnes said, I have so much respect for our conference, and Mike Eads is in charge of officiating. I can assure you he took care of it probably before we walked off the court. Barnes added that he heard from the SEC about Buzz Williams running out onto the court before he even had a chance to reach out to the league. They reached out first. And like I said, I appreciate again before I even got to the plane, I'd gotten a text saying that it was not handled the right way. Look, accountability there. What are we doing? (laughs) Yeah, I thought uh, when I saw that video, I thought he was going to get a massive fine. I thought he was going to be in a lot of trouble. You know, should the refs have been looking at him in that moment, coming back up the floor to see if he wanted a timeout? Maybe. But I mean, he runs to the middle of the floor. I thought the the fine would have come from, you know, if a player, if he runs into a player, a player runs into him, that's a huge issue. But just to be up that many points and just not care and you're going to make this showing, I thought he um, one-upped all the referees that were out there and I, I cannot believe the league didn't find the heck out of him. But good on them to come back and say, yeah, he, he should have been. And it wasn't handled appropriately. I don't think any worse of those guys because they said that. Do you? No. There's not going to be an epidemic of coaches running out on the floor now because you're like, come right. on. That's it. You don't think any less of that crew because somebody said that. No. no way. I have no faith in the Kentucky Ole Miss game tonight. Going any, it's going to be anarchy. Is Seven players on the floor for one team. Will Blankenbaker be in attendance? Two basketballs. Guns, women's basketball, everything, too. you name it. Wrong size basketball. You think That's right, one women's, one men's basketball. Yes. You think Blank, being the resident Chris Beard fan, will be in attendance at Rupp tonight? In spirit, he will. Because it is a late tip off, nine o'clock, and he has to do the morning show with Diener tomorrow. It's only eight where he is. It's, but he I'm, still has to do the Diener show in the morning. So I say no, but he will. He will definitely be locked in. He'll be watching. If Ole Miss wins seven eight, he'll be. He'll be, let's go six fifty five here. If Ole Miss wins. Diener show will start on time. That's true. How's that? I could see Blank calling into Kentucky post game shows. No, if he'll Ole Miss call wins. into Ole Miss post game shows. If I could see that. Both. I could see that. He loves that man. Now, if, by the way, if you think things are heated right now, let them lose that game too. At Ole, I guess, at Ole Miss or at home? At Rupp. At Rupp. Oh boy, you lose four in a row at Rupp. <laughs> Let them not even get off to a good start. Did the last time they lost three in a row in like 67, did they lose the fourth one? I do not know. Uh, this could be like a record-setting. This is a big game. By the it's way, huge. this being the first time they've ever lost three in a row at Rupp Arena is a gigantic indictment of the SEC. Sorry. That's a great point. See ya.